Hi, so today we're going to talk about money and financial well-being. And I realise that it's a really difficult topic. So absolutely feel free to veto anything that you don't want to be said or anything like that. And yeah, we'll just have a conversation. So when we used to live together, I always used to think you were very good with money. That was my perception. <laughs> you didn't, you weren't outlandish in kind of how you spent, you know, you saved up for something and then you bought it. You you didn't, in my opinion, you didn't seem to go, you know, okay, well, I'll buy that now and then I'll pay it back later. It's not really your mentality. That was my perception. Do you think that's right? Yeah, I think I've always been good with money and I like good with looking after money mm. and like spending it carefully. And I think that's probably just because that's what I saw growing up with my my family. Um, like mm. we've always, I think I saw like my parents, my grandparents always being quite sensible with money. So probably just infiltrated my views. Mm. Um, but I actually, I guess saying that I don't think about like saving or investment a lot at all. So probably like day to day, I think about my spending and I spend quite carefully, but mm. in terms of long-term saving or long-term investment, I have very little knowledge of like what the right thing to do is. So in that sense, I'm also, I don't have that much knowledge about money. Mm. Yeah, I think it's quite hard to know as well in terms of what everything is and where everything is. And I mean, I guess that's a great starting point is at mm-hmm. least today I'm going to look after what I've got. And that, I mean, in theory, that must really help for the future. And when you are, do you take a very conscious approach to budgeting when you're kind of going through, you know, week on week? Do you plan ahead for the week, for the month or for the year or just on the day? Are you more actually, I don't want to do that because I want to save it for something else in the future. I, I know some people have Excel spreadsheets or apps on their phone that they yeah. use to budget. And I don't use anything like that. I think it's more just being conscious of what I'm spending and when, and, and also being conscious of what's coming up. So obviously, mm. like if you know you're going to go on an, a night out or out for a nice dinner, that's going to be more expensive. Spending more carefully in the days coming up to that or at Christmas time being aware of what you're spending in the month coming up to Christmas because obviously Christmas shopping but I think it's very much like me just making decisions as I go rather than any sort of long long-term budget planning or weekly budget I don't I don't do anything like that because I guess again I I don't even know like what I should be but set like what's what's the right amount to be setting aside for different mm. things I just know what my rent is and my bills etc and, and I do that at the beginning of the month but yeah I just think I do it on a sort of ongoing basis making judgments yeah I think I've tried those apps and I've tried the kind of I'm more of a spreadsheet sort of person but I find the apps they're great until you stop updating it or you deviate mm. away from it slightly and then you're like, oh, well, I've already made it worse. So I'm just going to ignore that now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I find them quite difficult, but I know lots of people really swear by them. Um, but you do have to be fairly diligent as well, I think, mm. when you're actually using them. In terms of how you, I guess we've talked about saving so far, but in terms of like banking, mm-hmm. I personally have my same account that was set up for me when I was 11. And I still use that. And I have a couple of other accounts that I've added on since, but I've still got that original one. Are you similar to me in that sort of way? Or have you, you know, taken on some of those 
I think there's supposed to be great joining fees if you change your current account to another um, provider and they'll give you like a hundred pounds or something. Have you mm-hmm. ever been, have you ever bought into one of those or have you ever consciously said, okay, that rate is better over there? I think I'm exactly the same as you in that <laughs> I have my bank account that I set up with my mum when I was 11 yeah. and have literally used that bank account ever since I have a savings account attached to it Mm. but I think from what Ed says um he's like the interest (laughs) rates on that savings account are terrible what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) so I have the savings account and the current account and I have an ISA um I I did the help to buy ISA Mm. when it first came out and I'm still saving into that monthly but I'm not sure whether it's actually an effective scheme anymore um, especially if we want, if, if we were going to buy in London. So again, I'm a bit clueless there. And I also use Monzo, but that's more for just like, because tran- it's so easy to transfer money to people mm-hmm. via Monzo. So like if you're going out for dinner and you need to pay a friend. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, no exciting new accounts or <laughs> yeah, nothing exciting at all, really. <laughs> I'm exactly the same with Monzo. I use it if I go abroad and I use it to pay people for dinner. <laughs> that's literally it just paying friends is so easy from that Mm. and I know other banks have sort of started to do that as well but I think just because lots of people already on Monzo I just tend to use that and then yeah I have the ISA I'm the same I actually have no idea what my interest rate is on my current account right now no clue at all but I with my I have um, an e-ISA so not Mm. a help to buy so just a standard savings ISA which I do look at the rates for that one only and I do try and get the best rate from that and luckily the one I have seems to be the best rate which is good but really it's only from talking to my parents and my siblings and sometimes friends that I actually understand oh I should be looking at that maybe what Mm -hmm. how do I even find out about that information and you mentioned Ed so your partner so do you talk very openly I mean you've been together quite a long time now I think it's, it's over 10 years Mm. and so one of the questions I have for you is when did you actually first start to talk about money and then Mm. how has that developed over time as obviously he knows your interest rate on your current account you obviously know quite Mm. a lot about each other's finances but how did that start so I think when we first got together we were at uni and we Mm. didn't talk about money at all aside from like you owe me a fiver for that takeaway (laughs) And everything was like very much split 50 50 because when you're students you obviously don't have that much money um mm. and I guess we first started talking about money more openly when we moved in together yeah. because we needed to talk about rent and bills and what our individual budgets were and I suppose as the years have gone by we have become a lot more open about money like we both know mm. obviously how much each other earn and now in our current house we have we we split the rent fairly according to our our salaries mm. um and yeah we're both quite open about it I don't know very much about what Ed does with his money aside from I know he's really interested in investment and he uses mm. things online I think nutmeg is something he yeah. talks about mm-hmm. and I know that he invests in stocks and shares and all kinds of things and he's always telling me like we need to sit down and like get you set up with (laughs) this and that but I think I'm quite scared he's a bigger risk taker than I am Mm. as a person yeah so that 
that taking those risks with money and not he doesn't find it as scary I think he almost finds it quite exciting Mm. to see the rates going up and down whereas for me I'm absolutely terrified that if I invest my money in something I'm going to lose it all yeah um so I'm really cautious and actually he he says like you're not you you actually you would actually have more money if you invested it but I just Mm. yeah I don't I don't know enough about it to be able to make that decision Mm. so that's I guess that's one of the main things I read a book recently by Iona Bain which um a family member sent to me and it's all about talking about saving as self-care and that's Mm. number one a really great thing and just in your general well-being you know you are helping yourself by having that pot you know if something goes wrong you have something as a backup and then also she talks a lot about investing and Mm -hmm. how actually because saving rates are so low at the moment investing can be a good way unless you know you put everything in one particular stock that's probably more risky than if you spread out Mm. over a tracker but even understanding all of that so I only started investing last year and Mm -hmm. that was because my sister was doing it and I said okay tell me absolutely everything that you have just done and why you did it and she was able to she'd done the research so I was able to get all of that information from her and I was like okay why are you going for this sort of thing like a tracker so um, I think it's FTSE 250 tracker and with that it spreads your money out over every, all the FTSE 250 companies so right, overall okay. it does seem to kind of improve unless you know COVID comes along and completely <laughs> decimates absolutely everything yeah. so it's definitely been a bit of a learning curve but I think there are so many different I guess tranches of finance that mm-hmm. it's hard to know individually one of them in depth let alone knowing lots of them in depth enough to feel comfortable investing for example and how else would you find out information about that if it wasn't through ed I guess I could do something similar to what you've done which is actually read up on it and like I love reading so you know (laughs) it's it's something maybe I would the the path I would take to educate myself but I actually just I think I find money and talking about like talking I don't it's not one of my interests I know a lot Mm. of people are really interested in like the the financial world and read about it all the time and constantly soaking up information I think because I've got this like very maybe boring attitude to money it's just nothing that interests me, but I guess I could read. It would just be, am I motivated enough to sit down mm. and read a book about it, which maybe I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I would really like, you know, I think, yes, Ed could educate me, but also I think sometimes it's difficult when it's someone who you know really well, because mm. it's almost like you need a neutral source of information. I kind of just want someone to sit down who's not trying to sell me anything or take anything from me and just say mm. like, this is, this is what's available And in your situation, this is what's best for you. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's very true. Having that neutral source of information is so important. And Mm. even, you know, your loved ones, they might have a very strong view about something because maybe they were burnt by X in the past. But that doesn't mean going forward that that is actually the right thing to do. And I think sifting through that information is hard. I also find that, I, I mean, I have read a book about money, but that's very unusual I wouldn't necessarily buy that myself I would normally you know I sent that book and it was great but I wouldn't say oh I want to go and read about that yeah. so generally I do look online 
but even that I find very overwhelming because there is just so much information and I don't know where to look and well one example I've been looking at mortgages recently in the end I actually had to get my mom to sit down and be like okay just tell me each step in order of what I have to do um you know and she knows my situation so she would be able to say you know you're a first time buyer that means this and that was really helpful but I mean she got that knowledge from first-hand experience from talking to family members from doing research online helpfully which helped me but it's there's just so much information and I do find that quite hard to say okay but which of these is relevant to me yeah I guess and which I guess are not don't have a hidden agenda I think there's lots Mm. of things online where yeah people are coming at it from completely different angles and you Mm. just don't know what to trust or what not to trust exactly so if you were to I guess look online about investing let's say this is sort of like a black Mm -hmm. hole in terms of I guess you haven't started investing or anything Mm -hmm. like that and it's something that as a risk adverse person it's not your primary view on what to do what would you I guess what's your number one question about investing I think my number one would be about the risk like what how much risk am I taking by putting my money into this like what's the likelihood that it's going to crash and and burn essentially (laughs) yeah um, because I think I'm not someone who I'm motivated by money in the sense that I want to live a, a, a nice life and mm-hmm. like have a nice house and have nice things but I'm not motivated by money to the extent that I'm my goal is to be like a multi-millionaire yeah. whereas I know like <laughs> other people who I know um, mm-hmm. are much more motivated by money and that's fine everyone has different motivations so it's not like I I'm, I'm want to discover the thing that's going to skyrocketing my my investments Mm. I I just want to be able to make sensible decisions so I I would want to know about you know what's the sensible decision for me and my money and yeah like I guess if I do this what are the likely outcomes Mm, exactly and would you ever speak to a financial advisor or would you have hesitations about that I guess I I I wouldn't say no I, I just think, again, like I don't know, I don't know how to quality assure. Mm. So you could, I guess I could go to my bank and ask to speak to someone, but because mm. I lack I, I lack knowledge, I wouldn't know whether what they were saying was right for me. Mm. And I guess if you speak to a financial advisor in a bank, they are coming at, from the agenda of working for a particular bank. Mm. so again it's like neutrality I don't even know where you would find a financial advisor like that's how much how little knowledge I have <laughs> I, I wouldn't know either my first thought would be google or maybe yeah. asking someone I know if they have one and even then you know you don't know if it's got a bias and yeah it, it sounds to me like the number one thing coming through is just doubting independence mm. and it is mm. especially on the internet these days social media and everything is it is hard to find that independence yeah. one thing I also have is because it's money and you want to save as much as you can I have very strange views in terms of do I want to spend money on a financial advisor as as well I have such a barrier there which is ridiculous because it probably you know if I went out for a night out and then the next day went for a lunch and then maybe the next day went for a drink with someone that Mm. probably is more than the cost 
yeah. or potentially going to a financial advisor but it feels very different to me and yeah. you know I'm getting something experiential but then could also be getting valuable advice on the other hand so I, I definitely have some weird mental blocks almost yeah. on Same. on different things and spending money on different things and as you say I don't even know where you'd find a financial advisor yeah <laughs> would have no idea and then no it idea. might end up being the wrong person not able to give you the relevant advice and then you'd almost feel that was a waste yeah so obviously we can't talk about money and spending money without talking about income and mm-hmm. as part of that I know that from your career um, yeah. in the public sector you always wanted to do that role or mm-hmm. maybe not always but you wanted to do that role because mm-hmm. it's what you were passionate about yeah. did the salary and the take-home pay come into your decision around that as well I think mm, that's a really good question I think when you work in the public sector, there's always going to be an acceptance that's going to be a limit on how much you're able to earn. So Mm -hmm. like, I am reasonably happy with my wage, like Mm -hmm. my salary. I'm I'm not like 100% happy with it. But I also accept that I essentially work. Yeah, I'm I'm paid through people's taxes. And Mm -hmm. there's I'm never going to make hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds in in this in this sector and and that's a a decision that I'm I'm happy with because I enjoy the career Mm. but I think definitely as I've made progress in my career like becoming the head of department I think I've started thinking a lot more about how much your worth your work is worth and like what's a reasonable salary and what's fair and also I guess it's such an awkward topic is like, am I being paid the same as other people doing the same job as me? Yeah. All those kinds of things. I think I've started to think about a little more as I've progressed in my career. When I first started, I was just so happy to be earning money. I Mm -hmm. I actually just getting a wage each month was like so (laughs) exciting after having been a student. Um, I don't know if you felt the same. Oh, whereas I guess now I think about more, I think about it more. Yeah. Absolutely. I when I started my job, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a salary. Only yeah. later did I find out my parents thought I was crazy for taking a role on that salary because it yeah. was extremely low. I was moving to London. I basically didn't have much to spend at all. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was the point in my life I was the best at budgeting because I absolutely mm-hmm. had to. If I yeah. went on a night out more than I guess once a fortnight. I was over but over my budget I couldn't Mm. you know go and do that and that was definitely tough and it's probably taken me I mean I'm in my late 20s now and I started working at 21 probably taken me until about now to get to a point where I'm actually fairly okay with my salary it's nothing huge it's nothing you know that I can just go and do whatever I want Mm. and I mean I don't really know what salary would be that you can go and do whatever Mm. you want but it's in a place where I can save and I can do most of the things I want to do and pay all my bills and that's a really nice place to be in I mean obviously you want more because you want more but Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what we've been told but I think when I first went into the world of work I had no idea what a good salary was and I had no idea what I really needed to have to live on 
when I and for the city I was moving to and you know I got advice from people I knew but it's not like I went and googled it yeah I know it's crazy isn't it and I think I sometimes think back to when I first moved to London and the salary was on and I honestly think like how did you Mm. like I wasn't any it's really interesting I wasn't any less happy than I am now yeah and even though I earn a lot more money well not loads more but more than I did when I first moved Mm. I can't remember ever feeling like miserable about money Mm. so that I think that's so interesting to think about um but I guess I lived yeah I don't know we we lived a more studenty lifestyle when we first arrived which probably now at 32 I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't be so happy with (laughs) yeah I I think that as well and and in my first year working in London most of my friends I was you know quite I guess proactive during uni and also lucky to then get a graduate scheme so as part of that I was able to start working straight after uni lots of my friends so you graduate in June July that next March April they still were looking for jobs and I just felt lucky to be getting money in and to be able to do you know things that I wanted to you know to some extent but also because not everybody was around and going out all the time or going for dinner then actually it was easier I feel to save because people weren't doing loads whereas now you know we've been working for 10 plus years now people's salaries have diverged so much and so I think that is almost more of a pressure to now go and do things or maybe it's just that I had a job at that time others didn't so maybe Mm. I was in that position and now Mm. people have well and truly overtaken me and now they're in that position. So it's, it's, it's interesting to think about in that way. Yeah, really interesting. And I know that we've talked about before mortgages. So I've <laughs> just got my mortgage in principle and it's oh, definitely wow. been a huge learning experience. But how I know that it's something that you would like to do. Have you done much research around mortgages? Um, I haven't. <laughs> Ed, <laughs> no, because Ed knows a lot about money and mm. I know that he we've been talking a lot more recently about like when do we want to start thinking about buying a house where should it be blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. so I know that he's been doing research and the only thing that I feel like really lucky in that sense is that I have someone Mm. who is knowledgeable and sort of it's probably not great but I can he can do he 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 wants to do the research and he enjoys it so I can rely on him so I don't know if I were doing it on my own I think I'd have to be a lot more proactive and probably it would be sensible for me to be more proactive mm. um so we're definitely I've we've spoken about it a little bit and I know that he's done research but it's still like a work in progress we don't have any like solid mm. plans yet that's good I think it I think it must be interesting buying with someone else as well mm. I mean I'm in a position where I'm buying on my own with a lot of advice from family members mm-hmm. and both of my sisters have also bought in the last year so mm-hmm. I've been watching their experience I guess a lot more closely and asking a lot more questions whereas when my brother yeah. bought a few years ago I was nowhere near thinking about a mortgage so I just I knew it was great and that he was doing it but I wasn't as interested and mm-hmm. I didn't ask some very detailed questions I've asked of my sisters and yeah. that's been really helpful but without that otherwise I've just mainly been on you know this is money the web (laughs) website and um the government websites but one thing that I found out there are two schemes called help to buy did you Uh, know this I I knew there were lots of ways but I don't know the details of them 
Yeah. So you've mentioned the help to buy ISA. That's one area. Yeah. But there's also another help to buy scheme from the government, which mm-hmm. essentially means that they help you in providing equity for buying a new build place. Okay. And then, but when you sell it, you if they give you, let's say they give you 15% of the mm-hmm. property value, when you come to sell, you have to pay back that 15%. Okay. So if the property value goes up, you end up paying more. If it goes down, you end up paying less. And, you know, that's great for a lot of people. But if you are able to buy without it and the property value goes up, in that time you're better off yeah you know having paid for it on your own Mm -hmm. than if you kind of had that equity and but I mean I had no idea there were two schemes had no idea that they were they completely different schemes that they both had the same name and I was very lucky that my mortgage advisor was able to talk me Mm -hmm. through that and even Mm -hmm. my you know I've talked about my mum a lot she knows a lot about property and helped my sister to go through the process recently and she had no idea either and I think that almost just highlights how difficult it is to know what things Mm -hmm. are just as a Mm -hmm. minimum I just need to know what Mm -hmm. it is and then Mm -hmm. you can then delve deeper to see if it's something that's relevant for you if it's something that's useful for you um but again it's yeah hard to find that information yeah I didn't know about the second one Mm. I know that friends have bought places where they own part of it and mm. pay rent on the other part to the government shared so I think ownership. that maybe yeah shared ownership yeah. so in my head there was shared ownership and there was the ISA so I had no idea there was yeah. this other option I know <laughs> it's it's definitely a minefield out there <laughs> I think. yeah it really is um but I think with Ed I mean your partner it's obviously great that he's able to do a lot of that research mm-hmm. do you know um I found out this fact recently and it it almost quite scared me, but I had no idea. But before I get to that fact, I'm going to ask you, um, do you find pensions are important for Mm -hmm. you? Yeah. So I think I've, I'm so lucky in that being a public sector worker. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's like a cap on how much you're ever really going to earn. Like I said, you're never going to make millions working in the public sector. But the part that one huge benefit of working in the public centre sector is that there are is an amazing pension scheme in teaching. Mm. Um, so ever since I was working, and I and I know that friends, it hadn't been the same. Ever since I started working in education, I've been saving for my pension every single month, and it's deducted mm. from my payslip. And and my employer puts um a really good percentage in each month as well so I feel really lucky in that regard and and I think it's one of the huge benefits of working in in the sector that I do work in is there a retirement age earlier for public sector workers I don't know if I've made that up I have no idea but I hope it is because that would be great (laughs) I I might made up it might be like policemen firemen and even that might be old contracts so yeah I might be wrong have no idea I mean if it is they should really publicize that <laughs> a little bit more um but yeah I agree I've always found pensions really important and you know we started working before the workplace pension was a mandatory yeah. thing so mm-hmm. I've always you know voluntarily put that in but I have mm-hmm. friends who are really uninterested in pensions really have no idea about them and yeah. I mean I say my knowledge is fairly limited I don't know nowhere near everything or anything like that but I definitely know a lot more than I think some of my friends and Mm. some of them in particular 
either have no idea or they have very strong views that actually it doesn't matter it won't help me with my life anyway it won't Mm. you know be enough in value and that which is a scary thought Mm. but and you know maybe it's traditional it's like an old-fashioned way of saving money for your future but yeah I still think it's important personally to have that safety yeah. blanket and right. you know that nest egg that's there hopefully it'll still be there you know hopefully there's not something that impacts <laughs> like in a crazy way um but with that I've always found it really important and I generally not necessarily at the beginning of my career just because you know finances were tighter but at the moment I do put in the maximum that mm. I can and mm-hmm. I, I I do think that's very important. And the the stats I read recently through the book actually that I had read is um all about now we've all heard about the gender gap, but had you heard about the gender pension gap? Mm, no, I, I hadn't. So <laughs> on average, um a woman will have 20% of the pension that a man will have. Oh my goodness. Isn't that a crazy gap? And, you know, there's a lot of structural things that go into that. So, you know, a lot of women will have, you know, a baby and then stop working Mm. potentially, or maybe um, that might unfortunately stop some of her career progression. And maybe it might mean they go part-time or something like that. But with most of the care being at the moment, unfortunately, for for the most part on the women, Mm. and some of it, you know, has to be, you know, in terms of... um, I guess at the beginning but generally speaking a woman will earn less over the lifetime if they maybe have kids and that leads later to the pension gap but also if you become a widow Mm. or if you get divorced if definitely if you're divorced and depending on how it's been set up if you're a widow you Mm. won't get your other half's pension in the future So you could actually be left quite stuck. You may have been, let's say you stopped working and you were raising kids and your Mm -hmm. other half. And then later on in life, you get divorced or something happens. Mm -hmm. You could be really stuck. And that's something I've absolutely never thought about. Um, But I think it's something that people should be thinking about. It's quite a scary thought, actually. But I agree. I think especially because our population is a lot like luckily we're all living much longer Mm. but that does mean that there's a lot more years where you're not going to be working and you need to be able to care for yourself like I I, the thought of being old and living Mm. in poverty is just absolutely terrifying to me same and unfortunately it seems like that is what is happening to so many people you I mean we've all seen the insulate Britain protest they mm-hmm. have definitely been speaking loudly about this and it's just such a an issue where people can't pay for you know their electricity and their heating when yeah, they are exactly. you know later in years because they haven't got enough of a pension mm-hmm. to sustain them and that yeah it's it is a scary thought at least for the most part there is something you can do um yeah you know in terms of a pension but even that you might not be able to save enough over your lifetime because it's limited by income and also you know other life things happen you might need to actually use that money as you can now for something else maybe it's medical Mm -hmm. care maybe it's something else and yeah it's definitely a scary thought and something that as someone who does put into their pension a lot I was like yes good I'm putting into my pension yeah (laughs) It it does feel good and I don't see it as like me losing money I don't even think about that as part no, of my take-home yeah. pay I just it's just something that goes it's like your student loan mm-hmm. right 
yeah it just grows and that's fine that is one of the best things about you know going out before tax or at least a free or pay slip yeah I'm not sure if it is before tax but the other thing actually and that's I was going to ask about student loan so I used to have a student loan and that is something which I mean we're quite lucky I guess we're both from plan a where we mm-hmm. do not have we didn't have those really increased student um mm-hmm. student fees and mm-hmm. we didn't have the really high interest rates so my brother's mm-hmm. in that category and he did a master's as well oh. and it's insane like the interest rate is so high because I was trying to help him work out how much because he got his kind of first job how much he would be taking home and yeah. number one that's really hard to do but number yeah. two, especially accurately and number two I just couldn't believe the interest rates and also just how much is a number he mm. has I think my whole student loan was about the same as one of his years gosh that's crazy. scary isn't it it's very scary and I mean I guess he's an engineer so I guess over time he'll actually be okay but you know for a lot of people that's a really scary thought and at least Mm -hmm. there are things now like apprenticeships where Mm -hmm. you you know maybe that's a really good option for your future to not get into that Mm -hmm. debt essentially and one thing that I think was never I was at my school it was very much go to university yeah and I don't necessarily think the other options were laid out and maybe there weren't at that time as many Mm -hmm. options well I'm sure there were but you know I didn't know about them in terms of the options and that's something which as someone who didn't do a vocational degree Mm -hmm. potentially those options should have been highlighted to me a bit more and maybe I'd be better off now but where do you I think it's hard to find that information and you know everyone Mm -hmm. you can always do a quick google but again there's just so much out there almost that you don't know where Mm -hmm. to look first if you wanted to find out information on finance Mm -hmm. where would you generally look where are the places that you go to I guess online Mm. I could look but again like I just don't know what's trustworthy what's Mm. a good source of information what's a bad source of information I think I could talk to my mom about it but I think she probably is not as knowledgeable again I guess it's coming back to that gender thing isn't it I think like Mm. even though I'm a really big believer in feminism and equal rights I still am like sort of playing into that stereotype of letting the man sort out the (laughs) the money and like my mom and like talking to my stepdad over my mom and maybe actually that's Mm. where a change needs to happen as well is like females need to feel more empowered about managing their money and looking Mm. for information that's a really interesting point actually I hadn't clocked that when you were talking about how you know Mm. you know and you know sometimes it will be he's more interested I'm not that interested but maybe there's a question as to why maybe yeah I think there really is it's not something you need to worry about Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I, I don't think is accurate in terms of we all do need to worry about it but I think online let's say that you had a website and it was sponsored by people mm-hmm. would you really appreciate those sponsors being very transparent about what they stand for mm-hmm. and so that you know whatever you're reading you're very aware of saying okay this has come from x bank maybe mm-hmm. they will promote their I guess products yeah. over some other products but 
you so you know to take it with that kind of view is that something that you would appreciate on a website yeah I think like transparency and honesty is super important whenever you're making decisions about money or trying to get, gather information so a million percent if if I knew that where they were coming from was a place of transparency mm. that would be make it a more appealing source of information for me so if there was a place but like a platform online which told you these are places where you can get financial advice for example based mm -hmm. on your location this is where you can mm -hmm. go if I knew where to find reliable information, that would probably be more useful for me. Yeah. So if you had like a platform online, which yeah. you knew, okay, maybe there's sponsors from a couple of different companies, mm -hmm. but you knew that actually, yes, there are sponsors making it happen, but the people yeah. writing it, they're going to give a fair assessment. Would yeah, that inspire sure. more confidence? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you use it? as well <laughs> the I, think, I think like I am getting to that point in my life probably where I'm being encouraged to think a little bit more about money by people in mm. my life so yes would you use it above other sources if I could trust it mm. It it's just about finding that time and that motivation to be like okay now now I really do need to think about money and I think when it comes to like buying a house which is a goal that I have I really want to achieve it and like mm. I'm sick of renting you know, like, I would just love to own my own place. I think maybe I just need to like, yeah, I need to get my act together a bit and make sure I'm making the right decisions. Mm. Yeah, I think it is hard to know that if you are making the right decisions. But even if you are making the right decision, you still have that little voice of doubt as well. Yeah. In your mind. Thinking now, so you work in the public sector, you're a teacher thinking mm -hmm. of your 17 mm -hmm. 18 year old students mm -hmm. if you as a school you'd found this place where you could say we know that this is good advice and yeah. you said to your tutor group for example have a look at this see mm -hmm. if you have any questions do you think that's something that could be really useful in schools I think yeah like our kids often say to us like why don't we learn about this why don't we learn about that and they're really interested like they'll ask me questions quite often about how much do you earn or like really? yeah they're really intrigued I mean That's obviously great. I I I like we have such a weird attitude towards money don't we so it, I don't necessarily well, go and tell them the figure but I'm like tell my oh, reaction as well <laughs> I'm like you can put guys you can probably go online and kind of like figure out around the area that people earn in different jobs but they mm. I think teenagers today I wonder if they're more a bit more like or maybe because of like where I work they're just a bit more aware of the world around them than I mm -hmm. was so I think they would be interested and I think if I think about my own experience at school where I was the same as you like it was do your GCSEs do your A-levels go to uni mm -hmm. there was no other options like I didn't realize you could even take a gap year really I had no clue I didn't know that I could get a job without going to uni mm -hmm. I think it would be really beneficial to, to, to educate young people more. And also I think like lots of people go to uni and make really bad decisions with money. And yeah. so like even preempting that is important. Definitely. You get this lump sum as, you know, maybe your student loan. Yeah. Which most people, I mean, I definitely have never had just that amount yeah. handed to me. And obviously it's for a very good reason. It's to last you for yeah. X amount of months. But, you know, having that in my account, I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. you realize, oh, hang on, things cost money. 
<laughs> through it all. And, you know, maybe that was just me being very na- naive going to a school in the countryside. It's very mm-hmm. different to going to a school in central London where maybe mm-hmm. you've been taking mm-hmm. the tube for five, mm-hmm. ten years already. Whereas I, you know, went on the tube probably a very small amount of times yeah. you know, in London before I was 18, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's, is yeah, like you say, where maybe where you teach is they maybe these children have a different view of finance yeah. because they are a bit less naive than maybe I was <laughs> yeah same <laughs> so if you were to I guess pass on information about finance if you're I mean you sort of already said that your students you just tell them to look online it's yeah. out there but again they might have the same questions but how do I know yeah. it's reliable information mm-hmm. how would you try to steer them in the right direction Mm, I think it's like reputable sources right I think like we need to teach our we teach our students about reputable sources of information for getting news and like Mm. like information about politics and world events so it would be the same thing it's like okay Instagram and TikTok they're not going to be good places for you to get necessarily get financial advice from someone you don't know Mm. but like these sources of information are the right sources so it would be teaching them yeah what's a trustworthy source Mm, I think that's really important and I mean as someone who doesn't have social media I -hmm. definitely am probably stuck in this is what social media is from when I had it and now Mm -hmm. it's evolved so much and there are there is so much influence from what people Mm -hmm. say and people can Mm -hmm. take that as you know this is law this is what you have to do whereas actually that's one point of view and it might not be the best one for you as well. I think social media gives like my students unrealistic views of money as well and like what like I think lots of them don't realize that actually most people don't earn tons and tons of money like most people just earn like the average wage and like you have to budget you can't just when you're an adult buy whatever you want yeah and they I think it's sad right they see all these people living these like lavish lifestyles or amazing Mm. lifestyles on social media and they think that's normal and, and that's achievable which it isn't always Mm, that's very true I think my by comparison my (laughs) when I was growing up my version of that was MTV like Sweet 16 Mm. and I'd be like oh it's (laughs) fine like you know 10,000 pounds on a cake that's fine right yeah (laughs) whereas when you grow up and you're like what (laughs) yeah 10 pounds is too much (laughs) exactly so I, I mean I'm just that was just on TV occasionally I can't imagine having it around me all the time just warping yeah. our views and mm. I think that is so important I think schools can have a huge role within that especially mm-hmm. if parents don't necessarily know themselves mm-hmm. as well yeah as well mm. and then you know we're like around the 30 mark and we don't mm-hmm. know everything either and that's no. something which as you grow older maybe as you go through different points so for example I'd like to buy a house so I know that I now need to know about mortgages if I yeah. was 15 I probably wouldn't care that much so just finding that information that's yeah. relevant to the people in the right time I think is so important I think it's also when I was at school I, I literally thought you you could just I didn't realize it was so hard to buy a house in my head it was like mm-hmm. okay I'll get a job and then I'll buy a house and I just had no clue how much they cost like our kids yeah. Um, like when we, we talk about it very rarely but if we do talk about like prices of rent and stuff they just can't believe how much it is like I think mm. you just think you're gonna move out of home and move somewhere and everything will be fine I mean it would be nice if that was the case 
(laughs) (laughs) definitely very nice so I guess the kind of final question would be (laughs) if you knew that there was a good place and you'd used it and you said actually this information really helped me mm-hmm. would you then talk about it with others would it be something that you're like oh I've got a great tip for you go and have a look yourself yeah definitely I think my if I thinking about my friends I actually went out with a friend the other night and we had a really honest probably the most honest conversation I've ever had about money before mm-hmm. in my life and it was actually really refreshing to just be really open and, and like talk about our situations I think perhaps like the people I'm around we're getting to that age where we tr- we are thinking about money more and mm-hmm. like we do need to have more open conversations and I am having more conversations so I would I'm talking about it more so it would come up in conversation for sure definitely I think I'd agree especially as as we discussed it's so hard to find that place yeah you know there isn't really one that you know is the one that you Mm -hmm. can then say actually go look at this you'd almost just be Mm -hmm. like go look online and here's an open view but then everyone runs Mm -hmm. into the same problems we've already talked about Mm -hmm. so that one-stop shop I personally think would be so useful same Charlotte thank you so much for (laughs) about money and being so candid I think as sort of almost my reactions doing this and from what we've said it you saying it's really refreshing to talk to your friend very openly it is rare to kind of have those Mm -hmm. conversations so thank you so much for being open to talking to me today (laughs) thank you so much